Welcome back into Crossing Broadcast. Uh, before we get started, a couple of housekeeping notes. If you've been paying attention to the site in the last few months, you'll have noticed that there's been a real focus on sports betting. And what you're going to hear in today's episode is really a preview of that kind of content. Uh, this was something that Bob and Kyle both did on the video side, so it's been spliced up and put onto the uh, the Crossing Broad Instagram account. You'll be seeing these kind of things on the Facebook page and on the Twitter page and pretty much every other social media platform. Um, but it's part of the new push for Crossing Broad towards the sports betting side of things and, of course, the new studio that's uh, been put into place. So there's going to be a lot more video content coming from the site as well. But this, uh, this episode is going to be uh, Bob and Kyle talking about the New Orleans and Eagles matchup, and what it looks like from the sports betting side of things. So if you enjoy this kind of content, you know, keep an eye out. They're going to be releasing a new podcast at some point that's going to be hosted by the guys who are going to be working on the sports betting side of things. Um, it'll probably be a rotating crew, but it remains to be seen. So keep an eye on, on that and uh, check out all the other content that's going up on the site. A few other housekeeping notes. Anthony Sanfilippo and I are going to be part of a uh, Flyers podcast roundtable on February 2nd, that's a Saturday, down at Xfinity Live as part of a collaboration with uh, Wildfire Radio and uh, Jason Martitas and the Stick to Hockey podcast. There's going to be a bunch of other beat writers like Bill Meltzer, Charlie O'Connor, um, Dave Isaac, and, and even more. So if you can get out, I know the Flyers haven't had a great season, but you want to come out and support uh, me and Anthony and Crossing Broad and everything, um, make sure you carve out a little bit of time in your day. I think it's going to be around 4.30. It's going to be whenever the uh, Flyers game ends that day, and that's a one o'clock matinee. So uh, again, February 2nd. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget to go check out the other shows in Crossing Broad Podcast Network. Crossed Up with Anthony and Bob is going to be releasing a new episode very soon as we wait uh, patiently. We wait anxiously for the word on Bryce Harper and Manny Machado and where they're going to end up. Anthony and I will be back with a new Snow the Goalie. As of right now, we have tentatively scheduled a, uh, a new interview with a player that should be going off uh, on Sunday. So we'll see, uh, if, if that ends up working out and, um, yeah, go check out all the other shows and, uh, enjoy this sports betting show with Kyle and Bob as part of Crossing Broad's new sports betting side of things called Broadlines. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to our rapidly improving sports betting studio over to the big board, which is not hung on the wall. And we know off the background. Hammering's a little suspect, though. Uh, we got Eagle Saints. Eight-point eight point line. You have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts here. Um, really, I think that the question that everybody that is looking at this game is going to ask is, is it going to play out the way that it did back in November? Uh, Eagles obviously lose 48-7. to They get blown out of the Superdome. Um, you know, I think that there are a lot of differences, uh, both terms of personnel and then really in terms of how they've played uh, both of these teams uh, over the last six, seven weeks. Um, and that's where I kind of start. From a historical aspect, uh, have we ever seen this before? A team lose by 40 points in the regular season and then come back and have a rematch in the postseason? Yes. Uh, it's happened three times since 1990. The only team to ever win in the rematch was the 2010 New York Jets. They lost 45-3, to I believe it was, to the Patriots in Foxborough in December of that season came back to Foxborough in January and actually beat him 28-21 and it was Mark Sanchez over Tom Brady so it has happened before yeah I mean so look a lot of the trends are working the direction here like we got some numbers here first of all in terms of trends everything is pointing in the direction of an Eagles cover and a loss 
okay? So here are some of the things working against that. Some are stronger than others. First of all, teams that have lost by 21 points or more to a team in the regular season or in their previous matchup and then played them in the postseason, they are still 7-23 and 23 against those teams in the playoffs. So rarely do they actually come back and so win. outright win doesn't look... Outright win doesn't look great. However, they are 16-14 and 14 against the spread. So typically these teams have been blown out who come back and play a team in the postseason do wind up making the game closer way more often than not, which I guess is to be expected. I, I think that what you see in that situation sometimes, you, you get a team that loses by 20, 30, 40 points. Um, it, it's harder to kind of trust that they're going to rebound. Like when you, you want to bet on the team that won by 40 last time, like it's easy to say, oh, it's going to happen again. It's a little bit harder to have that faith that, okay, they lost by 40 in the first game and now they have to keep it within eight, you know, and you're going to have a, a Saints team that should be certainly motivated. You know, it's not like they're going to sleepwalk through this game. They're, they're coming to win this game. So uh, it does take a little bit of, of faith to jump on that. But with that said, I think that the 16 and 14, though it's not uh, you know an overwhelmingly positive trend, I think it's a little bit reassuring that we see frequently uh, teams covering the spot again. And it's one of the, it's another one of the trends that points to cover, not win. And I got a couple other smaller ones here with smaller sample size. So road dogs in a dome have covered four straight games dating back to last year uh, and five of the last six. But in all but the Colts Texans games last week, the road team has still lost in a dome. So one of those trends pointing against the Eagles road team coming into a dome or expected to be tough, they do have covered uh, in each of the last four over the last two seasons, including, by the way, the Saints at the Vikings last year, yeah. uh, even though they wound up losing on the, on the crazy play at the end. Um, another one that was a little interesting to me, I know a little less so to you, 79% of the money line bets are on the Eagles by the public, which is to be expected. They're, they're big underdogs, is a decent payout. But only about 50, 54% of the money line money is on the Eagles at this point, which is weird because all uh, while they're the biggest underdog, all of the other underdogs are getting at least 70 plus percent of the money on the money line because there's more value there. The Eagles are not. To me, that's a little bit of a red flag. To you, you think you can explain it away a little bit. Yeah, I think that what you're going to see here is that the money that you have to lay on the money line to take the Saints in this spot is going to be so significant that it, it's going to naturally kind of cause that that type of shift or that type of disparity between the amount. Not that much greater. Not that much greater than the Rams, though. Than the Rams, but uh, the Cowboys are getting like 74% of the money on the money line. I have a, a theory about this. Okay. Uh, I think uh, it. Well, I know it was a terrible weekend for the books last week. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people were on the Colts. People People were on the Chargers. Uh, they got the back door on the on the Seahawks, and then uh, there were a lot of people on the Eagles in that football game, uh, both with the number and on the money line as well. And then you come back on Monday in the national championship game, and there was a substantial amount of money uh, backing Clemson, uh, believe it or not. And I think that I think the books were honestly a little bit surprised about that specifically in the national championship game. What they are seeing now more and more frequently is that betters are willing to roll with the money line rather than take the points when they're betting underdogs. Um, you know, they're starting to realize that more often than not, when you're, they're covering that number, they're also winning the game outright. Uh, and you look at the success that underdogs had in the postseason last year in the NFL, and then you come back and look at what's happened so far uh, through the wild card round. Betters are saying, hey, you know what? Let's roll with the money line. And so I think that that sets up a really interesting dynamic this week. And it's why I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of cautious going into the week. Um, generally speaking, you, you kind of want to feel like if I'm taking a, a favorite, I assume they're also going to cover the spread. Like you want to say, I'm taking the I'm taking the Rams. I think they're going to cover seven, seven and a half. Uh, I'm going to take the Saints. I think they're going to cover eight. 
I think what you're going to see this weekend is a quite a few of these favorites. I would say at least two, maybe even three of these favorites win the game, but don't cover the number. And I think that the way that the lines are designed are setting up for that. So like, do I think that the Rams are going to win this week? I do. Are they going to cover the seven and a half? I'm not so sure. And that feels like a cop-out because when you watch people talk about gambling, right, you want them to say, five-star lock of the week, Rams by 20. I'm just not so sure. I think the Rams are going to beat the Cowboys. Do I know about the money or or do I know about the number? I I really don't. Uh, Do I think the Saints are going to win? I do. Do I think they're going to cover eight? No, I don't. And by the way, bringing it back to what the books want in the Eagles-Saints game, think about this for a second. So most people watching this are going to be in New Jersey or Pennsylvania. New Jersey has legal online betting. Pennsylvania, uh, Sugar House is open. Parks just a soft launch. They should be open by the game. I know for a fact that some of these places are actually rooting for the Saints because there's going to be so much action on the Eagles. Take, for example, in New Jersey, I think with DraftKings, the second most bet team of the year was the Eagles, which makes sense. Everybody's in New Jersey. No one's betting on the Giants and Jets, so the Eagles get a lot of the action. So a lot of these local sports books, to your point, not you know, not, certainly the offshore books and in Vegas, uh, you know, got hammered on the underdog but locally definitely they want more action it's on like the imagine Saints. being a local bookie that's an Eagles fan going through the playoffs last year yeah. you know how did the Super Bowl weekend work out for him you know yeah. um, it, I know Sugarhouse for a fact was hurt pretty pretty significantly yeah. uh, on the Eagles game last week and all the and the and by the way it's not just a local thing the offshore books this week uh, 69% of the spread money is on the Eagles. That is a plus 14 compared to the public betting action. Yeah, so you have 55 percent of, of the action is on the Eagles, but 69 percent of the money, which is nice. Um, I think there's a reason for that. I mean, let's let's stay on the Eagles game because I think that that's what we're most interested in. Yeah. Um, there are just a lot of differences uh, with how each of these teams has really played over the last six, seven weeks. And the first thing that I would look at is, so what happened in the first game between the two teams? Yeah, Drew Brees was great, but the Saints also ran the ball at will against the Eagles. And the number that we dug up here was that Kamara and Ingram combined 29 carries, 174 yards. The previous game, Sunday night football at Lincoln Financial Field, Ezekiel Elliott ran for a buck 51 on the Eagles as well. You go over the last four games though now and look at where that run defense is now versus where it was then back in November and it's night and day. Last four games uh, opposing running backs have 48 total rushes for 118 yards. You're talking two and a half yards per carry. They've been completely eliminated. Who were you scared of last week on that Bears offense? Who was the guy that you said, oh man he's going to light up the Eagles? Tariq Cohen. Absolutely. Four touches a week ago. He had one carry for zero yards Yards. He caught three passes for I think like 27 yards. See, I thought they'd. Use, I actually thought they'd use him more out of the backfield. I mean, because that's you know, if you look at what Kamara was able to do, particularly that fourth and seven play against the Saints. He's someone that can catch the ball. Yeah. They can gain an advantage in space. I wasn't that bullish on Jordan Howard because I think the Eagles. They, the Eagles have reverted to the force to pass defense somehow. Like their their line and interior play has reverted back to the way it was last year. And while that's happened, all of a sudden that has helped the corners and guys like. Avante Maddox have started to step up. So I'm not that surprised that opposing teams can't run the ball. Still scared. It's, I'm not as scared as Ingram as I am of Kamara well, in any situation. But TV last week, blitz, send six, send seven. I think what you saw last week was the focus was we will not let Cohen beat us out of the backfield. So whether it was, you know, Craven LeBlanc, Malcolm Jenkins, Nigel Bradham, who was all over the field last week. Yep. I mean, you really saw an emphasis on trying to contain him, and they did a great job with it. It gives me some hope that they will be able to, I don't know, keep Camara within reason. You know, you can't have him 
10 carries, 80 yards, 10 catches, another 70, 80 yards. That's the type of thing they have to avoid this week. He's going to get his, uh, but their ability to stop the run is going to be crucial, crucial in this game. You also can't wind up in a situation where you have Malcolm Jenkins tr- tracking him down the sideline side on like some sort of a wheel route or whatever it was. Yeah, that the first yeah. and then followed by the middle yeah. finger. Yeah, uh, you know, there are a couple other things that I look at that are uh, really kind of uh, encouraging to me from where they were earlier in the season to where they are now, and it really it evolves around or it revolves around the offense. Um, they're averaging more yards per game. The passer rating is up from the first 10 games to the last seven games. Um, they are allowing uh, almost a half as many sacks as they were earlier on in the season. The pass protection has been outstanding. You saw last week Jason Peters and Lane Johnson completely eliminate Khalil Mack. I mean, it's it's been absurd what they've been able to do against elite pass rushers here late in the season. And if they're able to, uh, you know, kind of keep Cam Jordan in check and some of the other guys that, that the Saints are going to fire off at them, I mean, they, they I believe, have a chance to compete in this game, not only from a defensive aspect, but if they can keep that pass rush in check and they can convert on third down the way that they did at Soldier Field against an elite Bears defense a week ago, you're talking 6 of 13 on third down against the Bears, 1 for 1 on fourth down, which was obviously the game winner. If they can carry that into this game and keep the Saints offense off the field with a little bit more of a ball control element, they're going to be in good shape. By the way, do you know what this number is? First of all, can you read it? That's a 25.4. You know what that is? I think that's the points per game that the Eagles have scored the last seven weeks. Am I right? Yeah. Do you know how many the Saints have? Uh, less than that. Let's say. Let's pretend that you don't. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, uh, that's so that's the last seven games, and that includes their outburst against the Eagles. It also includes them not trying for what one or two games at the end of the season, uh, week seventeen. They didn't play uh, their starters, or regardless. Their starters. So you throw out the two outliers, yeah. and you still probably wind up somewhere around the same number. The Eagles' offense is playing better, regardless. Saints are, as with everything else in this game, the Saints are a little bit of a dichotomy. Yeah, they're uh, ten and six against the spread this season. Second best team in the NFL against the number. Uh, they've won fourteen of their last sixteen games at home. They were three and one against the spread against playoff teams this season. Uh, so those things are all a little bit concerning. They are good down there. There's a reason that people think that they're unbeatable at home because they've had a ton of success. However, uh, we have seen them be dominant in the regular season and then falter in the playoffs. You go back to 2011, they were 13-3. and Drew Brees threw for 46 touchdowns, almost 5,500 yards, uh, and they ended up losing to San Francisco in the divisional round. They were a three-and-a-half-point favorite, went out to San Fran and lost. Really interesting thing about that team was that they scored at least 40 points in the final three regular season games and then blew out the Lions in the wild card round, also scoring more than 40 points. I mean, that offense was white hot, and then their season ended 36-32 out on the road. So have we seen a dominant Saints team in the regular season fall flat on their faces in the playoffs? Yeah. And like, if you're an Eagles fan... You know, there's something to be said for that. I, I kind of think that Sean Payton's a fraud. He's had a, a top three Hall of Fame quarterback now for 12 seasons, and he's won one Super Bowl. And just, you know, you might say, well, that's pretty good. He's had a lot of success down there. I'll just ask you this if Doug Peterson goes another 10 years and has Carson Wentz or Nick Foles, whoever, they're both great. If he has either of those quarterbacks for 10 years and they play at that type of level, a Hall of Fame level, and he never wins another Super Bowl, what is the perception of Doug Peterson in this city going to be? But yet we all kiss Sean Payton's ass? I don't get it. We kiss Charlie Manuel's ass, too. So. Yeah. But we shouldn't. 
Shouldn't. I think Sean Payton has. I think but Charlie Daniels are cute, right? Like you know, you're like, so, that's, that's, that's like that's my uncle. You want like, to uncle Charlie? Charlie you know? Yeah, and Doug's my dad, Doug's right? Your dad. But like, and so those are the reasons you like him. I mean, Sean Payton's a dick. Is it? He what did, what did he do today? He rolled in two hundred fifty thousand dollars cash on top of Super Bowl. If you want this money, win three more games. I think was what he said. Neat, cool dude. Neat. Yeah. It's another bounty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you have a big butt to that. Uh, yeah. With that said, um, the last and I have it right here. The last nine times uh, teams entered the playoffs losing uh, against the spread or failing to cover their last three games going into the postseason, uh, they're seven and two straight up, and they're eight and one against the spread. So teams that have still reached the postseason but have struggled late in the year covering the number have had a lot of success doing so in the postseason. Saints are really, really strange, too. They, they failed to cover the first two games of the season. They ripped off nine covers in a row in the middle of it. There are only three teams since 03 that have done that. Uh, the 0-3 Eagles and the Cowboys did it a couple years ago, uh, but then they went 1-4 and four against the spread to close out the year. Really strange team to bet on. That sounds like our Admiral Akbar special, but it's not. We'll it get to not. that in a second. The one thing I wonder about are the intangibles of the game. So, like, you have this weird disrespect angle going both ways. On the side of the Saints, Alvin Kamara is convinced they should have won the Super Bowl last year, despite the fact they didn't get to the conference championship game. And they can't, And they they were so motivated to kick the Eagles' ass earlier this year. That table has now been completely flipped by the team that is the defending champion is somehow, again, the major underdog. They're the ones who are going to go in there to hate at the Saints. <laughs> it's such a unique scenario. Like, how often is the defending Super Bowl champion the one who has something to prove? Completely disrespected. Yes. And they're the team that has to prove something. When I saw the video in the locker room and Doug Peterson, I don't have to tell you who we're playing next week. And all those guys were not, like, they were chewing the meat off the bone. I get a good feeling. I get a good feeling about the cover. Um, you know, I don't know if they have the firepower to overcome that game on the road. If they don't go in there and quit themselves well and, yeah. and really, you know, I would say compete to win this game. I think that there's a decent chance that they they stay tight and they even maybe even win the game. I just it's so hard to bet against Nick Foles in this in this role. I mean, he he won as an underdog at the beginning of the season against Atlanta. By the time that number closed, they won. Uh, he won as a double-digit underdog to the Rams. Wait, they, they were underdogs in that game. Yeah, they started out. They opened as a favorite, but as the game closed, uh, they were actually an underdog at kickoff. So he wins in that spot. He wins against the Rams. He does it at Soldier Field last week. We all know what happened last postseason. He's just been uh, he's been otherworldly as an underdog, and I do think. That it, I honestly think it's what propelled them to that Super Bowl last year. I think that they used that as fuel, and it seemed like it would be impossible for this team a year after winning it all to, to kind of find themselves back in the same situation. But whether it be Alvin Kamara talking about how they should have won the Super Bowl last year, or how the Eagles stole the ski mask thing from them this year, this team has it seems like they are intrinsically motivated to beat the shit out of the Saints on Sunday. I mean, whether or not they do it, I don't know. But for, there's a a weird intangible going on right now with this team on both sides but the the, the Saints but I choose to look at the one that well, favors the outcome I want but the Saints already blew their proverbial wide yeah a couple of weeks ago yeah all right so what's your what's your one thing this week that you don't want to you don't want to yeah so um I had said uh that I kind of feel like what you're going to see this week is the idea that the you, favorites are going to do you need the chalk you might need the chalk do I need chalk for you're this? gonna need yeah. chalk for this we'll start there it you down. go yeah okay there you go 
So I, I think that what you're going to see this week is a situation in which a, a couple favorites uh, might win the game and not cover. So that would kind of set up a good idea, you know, to tease, you know. And if you don't know what a tease is, you get six points or more on uh, multiple sides of a bet. So, like, let's say you have Dallas as a seven-point underdog. You can tease them up to 13. Or if the Rams are a seven-point favorite, you could tease them down to one. And then you have to hit both legs of a bet. So the two games that we see this week are the Rams – as a seven-point favorite, and we also see uh, the Saints as an eight-point favorite. So I am a little bit of a conspiracy theorist when it comes to this stuff. I think that every jackass in America can sit down and look at the four games that are on the board this week and say, well, I think that the Saints are going to win, and so I'm going to go from eight down to two, okay? And I think that the Rams are going to win, and I'm going to take that from seven down to one. And so I'm going to tease. And then that's where my... You want to write the run really small? Yeah. Rams minus one, and then Saints minus two. Okay? And so anybody that watches football can look at this. It's not going to work. All right, that, and, and that's where I, I, I see it. I, I see this all the time. Uh, my friends and I that, that look at these games on a weekly basis, we always say, like, what's the trap tease of the week? And I, I truly feel that that's what we're looking at here.